This is the good, the Baz, and the ugly. I'm the Baz. Well, that no, I'm Baz. That sounds weird if I go around calling myself the Baz. Anyway, uh, look, this podcast is filled with uncensored interviews with experts in particular fields or real-life stories from people who have inspiring personal tales to tell. It covers various topics and life stories that I've really dug, you know what I mean? And I think you'll dig them too. Just so you know, this podcast is for grown-ups, or at least people over 18, as it may contain adult themes, sexual references, and strong language. Fuck yeah! You didn't need to curse. No, I just wanted to. Sheet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. Hold it now, wait, hold it. I know you're gonna dig this. I think the best thing for me to do is to introduce him. What the... What's his name? Baz Ashwami. It's not Baz Ashwami. It's Baz Ashmawi. Welcome to the good, the Baz and the ugly. This is uh, episode 26. Um, I'm going to kind of jump straight into it just because January blues are a real thing. Uh, I think I'm presently feeling them slightly. I don't know. I kind of hurt my back during the week and then my energy's been a bit low and I just feel moany and uh, complainy and... And it's a real thing. It's a real thing that doesn't last forever. But it, it's we have these moments. And I think at the moment, there's all these buzzwords and expressions sprouting up about mental health and toxic masculinity. And a lot of the stuff we talk about and 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 being being like that for a few years now. But and the thing is, I'm glad like I'm glad it's getting the attention it deserves because um, it's important. But it's also become quite on trend. I suppose it seems like. Um, it's it's the way to be is to seem like you're open and you're woke and you're you're you know speaking your truths and stuff like that you know what I mean but it, it and it's also feeling like it's quite a business in a way but sometimes I don't know I feel the truth of it you know the real healing and honesty can be sometimes a little bit cryptic it can be kind of overshadowed and today's episode to be honest for some people could be quite triggering it's a it's about mental health and it's about dark thoughts and and there's mention of suicide and and um but i feel it, it's a it's a most important conversation for men and women and whether you know it's you it's been uh, some you maybe you're feeling a certain way or something uh someone you know has been affected by or someone you care about and i think it's understanding that there's little tools and little tricks and little things you can do you know fractions that you can get better by um so i spoke to a john a john boland a john is a suicide survivor he's a, a really influential member of suicide awareness dublin and that's in dublin 15 organization uh, john travels around local gaa clubs to do like mental health presentations he organizes fundraisers for suicide prevention he's been hiking up the dublin and wicklow mountains twice a week for the past two years he's an avid sea swimmer a hill walker he's one of them he's one of them he's out there doing it um, he's taken a quite an educational path as well, completed courses with Aware, the Wellness Centre, Pembroke Street, um, among other things, you know. Um, and he will be undertaking the challenge of climbing Everest Base Camp next September. I chatted to him. He's a fascinating guy. We had a really great chat. Um, I loved it. I, I really, I know I say that at the start of every podcast, but I, I just, John, it's just anyone who knows him, it just knows what a fantastic guy he is. Um, here is that chat with the big man, John Boland. You're a big unit. Let me just say that straight away. What height are you? 6'4". 6'4". 6'4", right. <laughs> and what weight are you? 
17 and a half stone. 17 years, solid looking man. I'll get to that in a minute. Right, first things first. Um, how did Hike for Hope start? Where did that, where did that come from? That came uh, maybe about a, a year in between the uh, fundraising that I was doing. And unfortunately, a young teenager, 13 year old, had taken her life. Uh, Lorraine is a friend of mine. She goes, John, would you like, the family would like to do a Hike for Hope. To, you know, and we made it inclusive for teenagers especially, you know, that we need to listen to them, you know, that we loved them and we cared about them. And you, did you say young teenage girl or no? She, that, that was the girl that took her life. So her relation is a girl that, uh, she's a wellness coach, but she's a friend of ours. And she goes, listen, I've spoken to the family. Would you like to maybe we do a hike for Hope? I'm always up in the mountains. Yeah. And it was a, an unbelievable success uh, with, with teenagers there telling them how much we love them, speak to your parents. And that just, that morphed into another hike for hope for just people in general, with a meditation on top of the mountains and meeting people, talking to grown men, crying about depression, from depression. And we have a kind of a, or we have an inclusive policy, what we're going to introduce with our charity, that, you know, everybody, male, female, young, old, come on in. I was talking to someone earlier and we were saying, and it's, I know that me and the guys here on the podcast, we love it, but it's this being unburdened of secrets. It's, it's letting go and feeling comfortable to be, to tell your truth, you know, to be who you are. But we don't grow up in that environment, do we? You know, like mm. it's all projecting who you think someone is gonna like, who are the lads gonna like, mm. who's that girl gonna like, you know, I'm a tough, um, you know, chin up kind of um, man's attitude. And um, for someone who's bringing light and positivity to a lot of people, you've been, you've been through some uh, darkest yeah. times as well, right? So tell me a little bit ab about you, John. Tell me a bit about. Um, well, I'm 51 at the moment, uh, married, um, two kids, uh, working on my life. Uh, I separated from the, from the wife, we separated a couple of years ago. Uh, we got back. Thank God, things are brilliant. But uh, I was having, I was, I was getting terrible depression from drinking. I noticed that you know the older you get, uh, the hangovers were, overs were lasting five days, maybe six days with the fear. I, I, I was living alone at the time. Um, door locked, phone off, dog hair everywhere. Personal hygiene was taking a hit. Domino's pizzas. And my son came in one night unexpectedly, and I ended up in his arms uh, in tears, you know. And I says, something has to change. So I gave up the drink three years ago. I drank uh, on four occasions in the last three years. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a drink now in 15 months. My 50th birthday, Liverpool winning the league. And then, I've d so I've done all, I've, I've used up all the excuses for it, and I'm, I haven't drank now in 15 months. And I just said to myself, um, I need to get a plan in place here now for an aim. So that's when I decided I'm going to do Mount Everest Base Camp. Then, but unfortunately, I had a, a serious work accident then four months later. I wasn't drinking. Um, and I, I was in hospital for nine days and I de developed a, a nerve pain, which meant the nerve pain medication was opioids. So of course, I'm the invincible individual. Mm. I had the one arm, wasn't used to that, but things were going on from the, it was on severe doses of, and uh, uh, the head went, took a, a dive for the worst. Dark thoughts, 
to eventually, I was a million percent convinced I was a hindrance on this earth. So far gone by caring about people, my sons, just gone by them. So I says, right, the best thing to do is take your own life. Like, crystal clear decision. If there's a moment where, where I've spoken to people, and I've had them myself, I gave a drink a couple of years back as well, mm. but there's a moment of uh, rock bottom, and sometimes people ask you, oh, how will I know it's rock bottom? You know, you fucking know when it's rock bottom. Mm. For you, once, once you got that thought in your head, was it something that you couldn't let go of, or did it, was it a passing mm. thing that was in your mind? Or No, no, it, it, I couldn't believe because I kept on speaking to the doctor, I, I have a, like a bit of a record of 32 visits in, in the beacon, and I says, why am I crying? I, I never cried this much when my mother died. I'm like, a, a pain doesn't bother me. What's going on? Oh no, what about these tablets? You know, like I'm on a height, no, you know, and all. I couldn't get my head around what was going on. And then the dark thoughts spoiled our control to me being as I said, and I have to use a million percent convinced by taking me was the best thing to do. So I had clarity then to go in front of the train in Clonsilla on the Thursday morning. And luckily enough for me, it was intervention. Two, two days and the day before. But John, you had a plan down in your head. Oh yeah, it was Thursday. I was gone, yeah. Yeah, and I thought this is the right thing to do. I, I was a hindrance. So if I have my phone here mm. with all the people in it, just say, couple of hundred people. I love them, they love me. I was, like, I kept, like, it's hard to explain. I was gone that far, boy, 180 degrees. People might say, what about your kids? What about this? I was gone there. They were irrelevant. And luckily enough, just through intervention. So two things. The intervention, how did, how did that come about? Well, six months previously, I were good friends of Michael Darren McCauley, and I met him on Camden Street, and I'm a psychotic Dubs fan, and we got talking about mental health. He's a massive mental health advocate. And he said to me, he says, half the team has gone on this aware course. The Dublin players, so the Dublin players are doing it. Oh, jeez, John Bowling has to do it. So he says to me, it's a basic life skills course. Check it out. And on that day, the next day, I'm not the best on the phone. Got, went on to aware, put in basic life skills course. This course is booked out at the moment. Six months later, I don't see Mick. And on the Tuesday before, 48 hours before, I was taking my life. I got a text off, Mick. Horse, the course is open for enrolment today. I went online, I pressed enrol, and then I was registered on the course. He was one person. Then I was going to the beacon on the Tuesday. My nephew, I was sobbing uncontrollably, and he kept on telling me he loved me. And it's, you know, so, so when someone tells you that they love you over and over again when you're in that place, it's so important, you know, to hear those words. And that's the truth, so I wasn't in a good place in the beacon. He said to you, I, I lied to him because I had this mask on. Uh, you suicidal? I says, no, I was. And the most ironic toward intervention and the most important one is um, on the Wednesday night, a lady called Elaine Ford had asked me several times in my GAA club to get on board in this committee. I hadn't been around the club in ages. And the committee was for a senior member of our club, Owen Gilhooley who had taken his life. So I was coming to a meeting to help them raise money, because that was my forte, to a man who had taken his life, and the following day I was, going down, to to I was going to Clunsilla train station. Jesus Christ. His daughter, Louise, mm. was sitting here, and I, I thought I was the, had it down to a tea. How are you, John? Hey, John. John Boland. Ah, oh, he's in great form all the time. Oh, hey. 
I had that down, I thought I had it down to a T. I said goodbye to everybody and she followed me out. And immediately she took me by the left hand and she says, are you okay? So of course, John Boland. Mm. I'm fine, why? I'll ask you again, are you okay? I says, I'm fine. She goes, no, I need you to tell me, are you okay? And it was that even saying no, because I never said no to anybody. Mm. And she brought me downstairs from her father's death. We do massive fundraising for Dublin 15 Suicide Awareness. And she kept on squeezing my hand. She says, will you please make me a promise that you'll ring them now? And she, she kept on. How did she know though? She just, she oh. just knew the vibe you were giving off. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Louise Gilhooley, and I was there for her father's Memorial Cup trophy. Get John Bowling down for the fundraising to pay for the sandwich, to buy the cup, to get the cup, etc. So I'm talking, yeah, we'll do this ring spar, go up to him, go there. Do you think you being, because as soon as you walked in, I was like, God, he's a big fella and he's a um, proper dub. And, you know, I, I imagine you moved in very masculine circles, GA clubs and yeah. uh, football fans. Dormant. where you, there you go. Um, do you think the, the weight of being, or projecting to be that level of a kind of man, made it much more difficult for you to mm. to be open or to tell your truths or to mm. be honest to yourself or or was it just is that just what you thought was normal that <clears throat> I don't actually know it's a great question um, I'm always in good form never backed away from anything on the door uh, hurling football gym John Bowling's always in great form I, I never just I don't know I never told anybody, obviously, how I was thinking. But then, as I said, it, when it spoiled, it spoiled uncontrollably that way, and my thoughts were always in the negative dark. You're a failure, hindrance. Uh, yeah. So what are you doing here? It's like, it's like it's someone clearly telling you, what are you doing here? That's the thing about suicide. It's, it's usually a moment, right? It's a moment where you're in a place that you make an irrevocable decision about your life, right? So you get into a dark space, and this is why I always feel so sad for anyone that gets caught in, in that thought process, is because they're, they're stuck in it and they can't get out of it. And then they do something that, that is so final, they're so finite, but it's just, it's just a moment, isn't it? How, how, how long from the intervention uh, after the kind of people started intervening with you, had you decided this wasn't on the cards for you anymore, did you were going to make changes? Well, the next day I virtually collapsed in the Beacon. I went to the Beacon because it was like I didn't want to let Louise down because she saw something that maybe my nephew, my best friend in the world, didn't know I was going to take me life. He kept on telling me he loved me. I didn't tell Louise I was going to take me life the following morning. What did she see in me? I, 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 we talk about it, but she she said to me, "Promise me, please, please, over and over and over again." I'll never forget it. So I went to the hospital the next day, and I, I let the I let the cat out of the bag, brought back to my own GP, and I got an emergency council appointment that Thursday, and I spent eight months in intense counselling that Thursday. Do you from that Thursday. Do you think that was a massive would that have been a massive shock to people because of your personality, because of the type of person you were when you bowled into a room and you were a big personality and all that? Would anyone have sensed 
that darkness in you or did, had you masked it fairly well apart from? Well, you know, you ha you, I masked it fairly well. Don't forget, I, was, I had my son two nights a week. It was in the winter months, October to, you know, nobody, you know, mm. I was still the same in work. It's a fucking just, tough time of year as well, right? That period yeah, of time. I was alone at Christmas. Yeah. It rears the loneliness. Uh, there was a few things prior to the medication and that kind of multiplied the whole. So, you know, so it was a few things. And when you were looking at yourself, I, I say all this as someone who's had thoughts, uh, dark thoughts at times, uh, but I'm, I'm just fascinated to know what was it in yourself at the time it's a dis it's the dislike of yourself, isn't it, of where you're at, or 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 what was it for you? What what was making no, you feel like it was that? The, it was the thoughts. I felt I was a hindrance. Do you remember the old mini and the speedometer have a small little steel pin where the the, the speedo would stop? Yeah. Well, if you reverse that around, my mental health was kind of tipping at that, and that they were the, they were the important things: family, wife, kids, etc. Mm. But when you go 180 degrees by that. The important things in my life were absolutely irrelevant. So in that dark place which I was here, my mind was telling me. And I remember that morning looking and like getting out of bed at 12 o'clock in the day, again, not showering, the arm, and looking clearly at the wall. Suicide, take, you know, take your own life. So um, I just ended up on the Thursday, spoke to Anne, uh, my counsellor, for eight months, and... Um, it was like a 10, from the first time I spoke to her, it was like a 10 ton weight. So I talk about these fractions to people that are close to me. And when you're severely depressed in a dark, 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 dark place, if you feel a fraction better, you've no idea what that fraction feels like. It's beautiful. Mm. I'm talking about a fraction. So over the eight months, I build up fractions. Five visits a week to four to three two to one over eight months each one of those was a fraction better now if you ask anybody that was come from a dark place what a fraction feels like fraction feels like that mm. for happiness and that's that's the, the clearest way i can explain it what if you're talking to someone because sometimes obviously when you've lived through something and you've been able to navigate your way out of kind of dark times so if someone was to come to you or I was to bring someone to you and they were having suicidal thoughts, what's the, what's the, what's the first thing you would say to them or what, what advice well, would I, you I, give them? No, I, don't li I, I like listening. You know, I, like, I like listening, you know, because I think we all know what's good for us and what's bad for us. Advice is, is good, but I like listening to people. But then if somebody was seriously, again, this is through education, I've learned through another course, you know, you can tune into people, ask them, but you need to state how serious suicide is to a person. To tell them that, you know, there's no coming back, you know. But C on that task is the connecting. I can't just tell Baz, okay, hey, don't listen, you know, you need to connect. Like Louise Gilhooley did with me, mm. she connected me. So the C at the end of it, the connection is, is vital. Someone's down having a bad day, listen, let's go for a coffee, a run, swim or whatever. But then if somebody's in that dark, dark place, and the onus is upon me, like, do you have a wife? Who's your close brother? Who's your close family friend? I need to get in touch with them. Do you have like a, a radar for, can you sense if someone needs to talk or um, that 
that there might be something? Do you know the people to listen to as well? Well, as well maybe 25 years doing the door gives yourself, a, you know, a good judge of character. You know, who's a good one and who's a bad one. But in relation to that, you know, like, yeah, you know, like with body language, etc. But being honest with people, you know, learning how to listen. The listen's huge, right? Yeah, which was my greatest, um, uh, you know, like, I like to listen to people. Which is good for, which was good for me. Mm. Non-judgmental. What would you say to people who think that suicide is selfish? Who probably don't understand what it's like to be so close to the edge? Uh, I don't think it's selfish. Uh, like, within, during the times that I, I was really, I buried two, two, two close friends. So they didn't do that, you know, like it wasn't selfish. It was where they, I, could, I can relate to it because your mind is in a place that you're not thinking of your loved ones. I was there just before mm. I was taking my life. So I can tell you, when you're in that place, you're not, you don't think about, I told you, remember the 180 yeah, degrees? Yeah. You're gone so far, boy. That's when you, t you think the right thing to do is by taking your own life. How wrong is that? God. So I was at two funerals, and the, the, one, the, the, the second funeral I was at, I was in the depths of depression. It was a funeral in Finglas, so all the people at the funeral would have been at my funeral. So I, I visualised that was me in the coffin. I saw people going, the usual fellas out having a smoke outside the church laughing. So when I saw everyone carrying on with their life, I said, that, that reinforced my decision to take my life. I said, John, everyone's going back to work. No one really gives a fuck about you. This was the negative in my head. Seeing fellas out, you know, doing the famous pose mm. with the coffin going, boy, but then straight away, wait and I tell you, so I was looking, observing all this outside the church as the coffin was going in, and that reinforced my decision that I was 100%, a million percent, doing the right thing. I, and then, but I went into the church and became extremely overwhelmed and left. Like, they should be here with me at GAA matches in Finbar's GAA club. They should be here. One, you know, they have kids and, you know, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Whenever I think about a suicide, I always, you can't help but think it is an illness, right? It is, it is the sickness in the mind where you're lost somewhat. But for the other people left behind, for family members and for them, that, and like you say, sometimes they don't have an understanding. You were, honest, you were obviously honest to your own family and you, you told them where your mind was at. That must have been incredibly upsetting for them. Right? That must have been an awful shock to hear that come out of your mouth. So how, how did you connect with them after that? Well, you know, I was living out in Blanchardstown. I have a brother close, but I didn't. It, and we have a big family that's a bit divided when the parents die, nine of us. So you have your allies and then you have the ones that you don't see. So I don't really remember about the family because um, I just embarked on the counselling journey. And, you know... As I said to you, just from that first time, it was like a 10 ton weight off me, and those fractions. And people you were very close to, like your nephew and that, were, yeah. were, were, were was he anxious, was he worried? Like, I'm just well, wondering how, mm. if, if one of my boys, say for example, got into a dark place and maybe, maybe he attempted and he didn't fulfill it, or maybe he was just talking about it, you know, how do you, what's the best way to care for someone in that, in, in that state or in that aftermath, you know? It's just to be around. I, have, I, had, like, I, didn't, I didn't announce this publicly. It was some really close friends that rallied around me unbelievably. Okay, yeah. Which meant I was told to get in the shower 
we'd be at the door in half an hour. And his name is Mark Kennedy. Mm. And my other pal, John Gleason. You know, John, Lindsay, my best friend in the world. So those, you know, I also have really other close friends, but they weren't aware of my the, situation. The, the severity yeah, of the it. Severity yeah, the severity of it. And yeah. there was a, I did, it's not something that you go around saying, oh, I just, I, I was going to commit suicide. and No, because you're in recovery. So if there's You've an got to work it out yourself first, yeah, Which right? meant, you know, because it was very overwhelming. Each mm. time you speak about what goes on, it takes an awful lot out of you. Then I was at home with the one arm. I was still, my circumstances didn't change. Mm. So I was concerned about self-love, me. Nobody else. I always prioritise. And I was told by the counsellor, now it's time to prioritise you. Mm. That's what you do. So you get a little bit better, you know. How do you... How do you uh, like I know what I do, but I, I'm interested to know what do you do to to maintain your mental health. To 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 kind of like if I'm in a bad mood, I know if I go to the gym for an hour, I take a walk, uh, give the dog a run, uh, you know, take a walk with one of my little ones. These are little triggers for me that lift me out of a mood, right? But is is there certain is certain triggers that you had that would help you feel better or fight off depression? Yeah, well. I'm a massive advocate for uh, antidepressants that I'm still on today. So, of course, John Boland, the big six foot four guy on an antidepressant. So I had this out with the best doctor in the world in the beacon. And he goes, no, John, just please. I spoke to my GP that I know 25 years and I started on them. So I used to have doomsday scenarios of thinking if something's going on in the, in, in the job, oh, it's the end of the world and this is where am I going to get the money? Now, on the antidepressants, I have this extremely calm, level-headed, not stressing. So I'm still on them today because I tried to go off them uh, after speaking to the doctor, reducing the amount. But I got catapulted back to the dark days. So back on them then on a daily basis. So it's just, it's just something that it's that quick. It's that, yeah. it, and you can recognise it. Well, I haven't, I haven't missed it. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't missed the day. Why would you? They're, in, they're, on the, they're on the table in the morning. With the multivitamins. Why do, you, why do you think, John, people are so ter- terrified of, of the actual medication? Because you hear all these kind of, like like me there a moment ago saying, oh, you know, if I'm in a mood, because what I'm talking about is feeling anxious or feeling like I'm losing control of my mood. But I, I suppose what you're talking about is depression, right? It's a different, mm. there, there are different degrees. It's like someone saying, I've got a headache and another person actually having a migraine where they're locked in a house for two days with, with, and can't see. You know, they're... They're both headaches, but they're very different. And mm. um, why do you think that there's? Is it the stigma of taking the stigma, medication? The stigma is the word that's used. And well, for me, it would have been old folks in a nursing home on an antidepressant and let them just sit in a corner and forget about them. I was going, me, fuck, no, I'm not going. He goes, please. I goes, no. So they tick. If there's ten boxes, and say this with a smile on my face, they tick nine. But the one that affects is down below. Mm which you get another tablet for, mm. which, you know, and I say this out. Mm. Is every case different with regards to depression? Because yours, obviously, you have to take your medication so you don't, call it relapse or whatever, mm. you don't drift back into your dark place. Or is it a case that, is it like alcoholism, that kind of once you have it, you always have it, and you need to keep it in check by that medication? Um, well, for me, I'm going to be keeping it in check where I'll go again in 12 months time about going, I was going to go to the doctor this week actually, feeling good, fit, no alcohol, no drugs in the system, training, am I ready just to see? 
So I'm just going to test myself every every while, plus education, which I'm a massive advocate. We'll go into that, you know. So at the moment, I feel good. I thought I felt great six months ago as well. But I'll go back to the doctor and just see, and try to one day, two day, and see how I get on with that. I do want to get off them, you know, further down the road. But if I have to stay on them, I have no problem. I know, since I give up drink, I get these uh, random calls from certain friends in my in my vicinity or my groups who will ring me privately to have conversations with me about giving up drink and how I found it and 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 I'm because I've I, they know publicly that I don't drink and and I've been out with them and they feel safe chatting to me do people reach out to you a lot do you find that the people yeah. come towards you because of because of what you've been through and yeah well I think if you look at my face any of my social media posts I wouldn't be able to do anything I do because I'm out mountain swimming running da, 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 da. if I had even one or two beers I wouldn't be getting up a half five oh fuck the me bads today I'm the opposite I'm worried to the bone a half five fly out to Port Marnock with a big mad smile. I was an ex-raver 25 years ago. We still had the dance music, the coffee, the you know. So I've seen a whole different new world with doesn't involve alcohol. I'm back with my wife. We don't drink. We don't fight anymore. Like it used to be the mindset, what was going through your mind. We might argue about the paint or whatever, but not like so the, the life that I'm seeing, Everest Base Camp, did the six pins in Connemara in eight hours during the summer. Training hard. See, I think what some people get is when your lifestyle is um, is having a few beers, doing some coke, uh, hanging out, uh, just day to day doing what, say, people in your circle are doing. Y- 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 they can't imagine a world where that's not. Well, it's just like, you know, and it's that thing of having a handle on it. I always, uh, especially with the drink and drugs, I always found that people... I lost some friends over it, and I don't think I lost them because of anything I did. I think I lost them because they didn't like to look like they were being judged by me. They weren't comfortable in my company anymore. Right. Do you get me? Yeah, I do indeed. Yeah. And it's a strange thing, you know. Mm. It's a strange. It, it's a strange thing to kind of not be able to envision a life without booze because probably the life you have now is great, right? Best ever. And the happiest I've ever been. Oh, well, I, so I'd be the same, but at the same time, you don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to turn into be mother. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Where yeah. you're going around and you don't want to lecture people, but it's kind of a decision you have to come to on your own, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you, when you say make that decision on your own, I wasn't the type of person that would have four points. I'd, what's next? Oh, yeah. So some people can have four points yeah. and behave totally cool. Absolutely. I wanted. Three days. Ah, oh, listen, look, look. That's that, that's that, we're we're fucking singing from the same hymn sheet here. And you know, there, there was no off home. switch. No home. Yeah. What, what are you on about home? Yeah. Kick someone in the back. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. Yeah. Who's next? Where? Yeah. So I had the the I loved the, the the seventy-two hours of carnage. Wouldn't drink for a couple of months, and would then try to fit two weeks into three days. Dublin trip away to London, Liverpool boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dust to dawn, and then. What the hell? But now it's like, no. No, I, I love smelling alcohol. Mm. <laughs> Someone has a point of Guinness, uncomfortable around <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I can yeah. say, that is just like, you know, I used to give out about yeah. points of Guinness. I love someone's having a glass of red wine yeah. beside me, very comfortable with it. Can I smell it? Go and take a sip. Mm. No, no, no. Really comfortable around it. And then I might have to do the Cinderella, 12 o'clock if I'm out late. Mm. 
you know, family do there a while ago, go and Cabra, arrived late, left early. Mm. Boom. Happy as Larry, those days used to be carnage, where, what, the mindset, thinking with the gargle. That's, that's all in the past. So, if anyone, like, you know, some people recently have gotten touched through the Facebook page and all, and I'd say to them, you know, uh, listen, I'm, I'm loving to get out and this and that, and that they've issues. And, you know, so, I was kind of saying to him, well, if the doctor, if you had cancer and you went to the doctor, the doctor just said to you, you have cancer. So I'm telling my mates, what can you think I should do? Are you drinking? Are you sniffing? I'd say, well, you need to stop drinking. If you can, get into some sort of NA meetings or CA meetings, you know, introduce you into the swimming, hiking, around like-minded people. Because that's the enabler side of it, isn't it? Like, there's certain people who don't really, they just want someone to get fucked up with. They don't really care about mm. anything else, you know. They just want someone to go on it with, you and know. Rip, yeah. um, you were talking about education, educating yourself earlier yeah. on. Tell me more. So the course I went on, so after the, after the counselling and feeling much better after eight months, so I went to the AWARE course in Crow Park and at 49 years of age, had a light bulb moment. First time, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college. Family leaving, said, work ethic all my life. Went to this course, nervous, and I actually thought the course was about me. Here I was sitting up, light bulb moment. Like, and I know what that means. Eight weeks as a sponge. Rang Michael Dara again. Mick, what did you do next? MBSR, mindfulness based stress reduction. Did that. What's next? Task. What's next? Eating it up. Science of health and happiness. Yeah. What's next? Training for Everest came in, so I'm started in OICP there on a certificate course for counselling and uh, psychotherapy. Me. Wow. With a laptop, and I have to study, and I have to take notes, and I have to reference, and I'm me. You're embracing me. it though, you love it. Oh, me, yeah, so education. I take a breadcrumb from each thing. Haven't got a PhD or a master's, not yet, but I've life skills. Massive life skills. Made loads of mistakes, but also did loads of good things. There's a big education in that. There's a big education in just living. You know, yeah. there's a, fr a friend of mine years ago, and her, her parents were very wealthy, but uh, he offered, her dad offered to let them get a boat and f sail around the world or go to college. And all her brothers and sisters all went to college, and she went, I'll take the fucking boat, please. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> there, there is a life lesson in just in living and learning mm. from the mistakes you make and the failures mm. and all the things that went wrong and passing that knowledge on. Yeah. Tell me about Everest, because the last time when we were supposed to chat, you were getting all geared up and you yeah. were psyched up for it, but then yeah. what, COVID got in the way? Yeah, COVID, well, actually, so I gave myself, so from standing on the door for 25 years as well, I love the cold and I've always loved Everest. And I followed John Burke in 2006, the guy from Clare, and when he was going, when he was leaving his support team, I was following on Instagram, I enlarged his photograph and I see this, I hope he listens, Vinny Small from Galway, friend of mine. And his nickname, Small Guy, he's a, his nickname's the strongest man in Ireland, tick individual. And I, I says, <laughs> extremely tick. And I looked and I says, fucking small. So I got on to him, yeah, yeah, and got up to Camp One. And so he's a, a climber, a very experienced climber. So we met and I said, listen, I'm going to do the base camp. Because I, 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 from feeling better and the education, so all, I was starting to see the benefits now of massively from the counselling, massively from the medication, massively from the, you know, everything that went with it, feeling better. And one thing that came out, I like the plan, I like a plan. 
So the goal, yeah. The goal. So yeah. I set out about, you know, to make me son proud as well, you know, a darkness into height, as, as one of my hashtags, that from the depths of depression, you know, intervention 24 hours before I was going to take my life, to reach in one of the highest places in the world. I'm doing that. Nefini started up a training program and just got hiked in the mountains. So, I can't scenes. think of anything fucking worse. Now, I'm half Egyptian, so me and my sister are, 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 are shriveling up at the thought of God. Yeah. I, I went to the tundra <laughs> and froze the bollocks out of myself. The whole time I was there, all I said is, it's freezing. It's fr Once you're minus 30 or lower, yeah. forget it, forget <laughs> it. But you, you're, you're, you're able to convince some other lunatics to go off with you yeah. and do this, yeah. Well, it was actually a friend of Vinny's, Ian Taylor, trekking. When the trip that he did, it was the only trip that you'd stay overnight in base camp. So you, you, it's a kind of a revolving door. You get there and you're back down with other parties, but he had the overnight stay. You're gonna go that far, I'm fucking staying. Yeah. You know? But also, one of the things I noticed when I was journaling, Jordan the counselling, when I was, I was on the mountains, I used to start, you, you raise you your still, Sorry, do you still journal? I do. Yeah. Not as much as I did, because I'm not saying I'm all fine-tuned. No, but, but Jordan, you don't rely on it as much. I don't rely on it because, you know, it's great guidance there for the dark days. So I met Baz today, met John, John, Mahi. That's, that's an eight out of 10 with a smiley face. But when I started journaling, there was zero out of 10 and one. But I noticed when I was on the mountains, it was always 10 out of 10. Third, it shows up how unfit you are. The frustration, another mountain. Then you get over that through Brett Walk, which I'm, I'm a massive advocate for, you know, ice bats and all the. So I just fell in love with the mountains and trained hard, but then I had to pull the plug a few months ago because the quarantine went from 10 days on arrival to 14 days on return and 16 days away. So that went up to 41 days prepaid. So A, I'd have no job to come back to, and B, the financial package. Or you had it down for 16. But then the financial package went on its head because people came to me, I'd like to buy your jacket, pay for your flight. Mm -hmm. Another fella says, I'll do this. And next thing all of a sudden, the trip wasn't costing me anybody, mm -hmm. through people to me. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Because yeah. I'm on the mountains, hail, rain or snow, and, and you know, an advocate for mental health, a fundraising campaign, with another guy from Finglas, Aaron Murray, extremely successful. And, it's now it's at the morphing into a, a, a charity that we're, we're going to get up and running, you know. And then that charity, with, with that, you're hoping to help? It's, 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 a, it's a non-profit organisation uh, helping addiction, mental health issues through what I can't believe is unbelievably beneficial. I'm a massive advocate for the sea swimmer with a dry robe. You don't look like a dry rover <laughs> at all. I am a dry rover. You don't look yeah. like one. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was convinced you weren't, you know. Asked on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know two people, both of them tried to rob. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even like a lukewarm shower. So the fuck I'm getting in the sea, you can forget that. But I've heard many, many, many people, and I've heard a couple of people talk about um, going off with you and how beneficial they found it and, and what an amazing mm. experience it is. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you that pass. Mm. But, but go on. Anyway, yeah. Isn't it nice to smile that you meet Donna on a Saturday? A hug. How are you keeping? He's at the deal in his 5k. You know, he's with a load of blokes. The crack, the slagging, the dancing, free. You know, so driving home in the car down with a big smile. I was the opposite to that two years ago. My nephew was doing it before me. I says, You're a fucking idiot. Middle of March. What are you fucking doing? 
come down, come down, come down. Went down, no problem. Breath work, calm, you know, so there's massive benefits from it. Mm. And then, you know, uncomfortable in the, in the stressor, which is the ice bath, get back to the breath. Oh, you have a couple of triggers. I think everybody has. Back to your breath. The breath is the key. You hit, hit another mountain and you're knackered and you're, you know, get back to the breath. Head down, breath. Yeah. It works. That's it. It works. If anyone wants to get, a, 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 like, um, <laughs> help out the charity or donate <coughs> to the charity or get involved in any way, is, where do they go? You have a Facebook well, for, page? First and foremost is, is, yeah, I have a Facebook page, you know, John Boland or, you know, on, on Instagram as well. We're going to be, hail rain or snow, we're down the beach. Hail rain or snow, we're in the mountains. Hail rain or snow, we're jogging. We're walking. We're going to have a drop-in centre. You mightn't like exercise. We go for a cup of tea and listen. Don't like the way you didn't point it at me now. I'm a little bit out of shape, <laughs> but, but I'll, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll have to attend. I'll have to come mm. with you. And anyone can come with you, can't they? Oh, everybody. And you'll see the environment down there. You know, years ago, I wasn't mad about the word community. I thought that was nosy, people. But there's a massive community down in Port Marnock. Non-judgmental. Everyone arrives. And it's a cool place. Very cool. Community is an amazing thing. Mm. Especially in Ireland, because that old school community, I, I think you, you can kind of lose that along the way somewhere. Yeah. But seeing loads of people do something really good together and be part of a group, it's nice. It's a good feeling. It's totally right? cool. You know, and other people have a story to tell, and, you know, it's good to listen to the people and, and listen to what benefited them, which could have been education or a course, you know, or some sort of, or even the breath work, you know, to introduce people to that. So, you know, there's massive pluses out there. Yeah. So happy you're days. going to Everest next year. Next year. Yeah. So officially, Kathmandu, there's no quarantining at the moment. But I had to make the call six weeks before my date. So next year, I'll be fitter and stronger. Uh, the charity will be up and running. And back tormenting people for a few things next there year. There you go. You can torment you. Would you like to go into Everest? I am Everest. Oh, I am. That's the attitude. That's the attitude. Uh, unconquered. Uh, John, you're the man. Thanks a million for sharing all this. So I think there's a, a huge power in just in just telling people your story and just letting yeah, them because because it's sadly it's very common, mm. you know. And mm. and it still reminded me. I, I I always talk about men's health and men's this and men's that, but it is it's something that affects women as well mm. and and especially suicide. So. Uh, I think what you're doing is deadly. Keep rocking. Would you mind if I say something? So yeah. if anyone is listening to there, so obviously you're down in a dark hole. If somebody is down in a dark hole, there's obviously a massive dark cloud above them. And my advice to anybody that is listening, that that dark cloud will pass. Some people's dark clouds are bigger than other people's. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. At the time you think it's the right thing to do, it's the wrong thing to do. Because you're not coming back from it. But that dark cloud will pass. Eventually, you know, so. I think it's back to that thing you said, which is very well put. Just fractions. If you can just get a couple mm. of fractions out of marginal every day, gains, you know, I heard John marginal Lally, gains. Marginal gains. He talks about marginal gains. I call them fractions. Yeah. And a fraction to anybody in that situation, which means somebody asking you how you are. So be kind. Look out for people. Mm. Hand on the shoulder. How are you keeping? Have a listen to what they're saying could make the difference to somebody. I think that's very important as well. Like it's just because it's funny we were t I was chatting to someone else about this and we were saying it's just something you have to switch on, an awareness thing to be present around people around you because you can notice things that's going on with someone or just give them a moment 
Do you know, you can just, you, where you could have easily just walked on or skipped past them or done whatever, but you can, you can have a moment where you just switch on and your awareness levels are, are a bit more acute and you're able to, to engage with someone and connect with them. And you just don't know what that might do for someone in their day and where they're at mentally, you know. John, thanks a million, man. You're the man. <laughs> Told you he was the man, didn't I? It's just, he was, all that fractions, just trying to make yourself feel a fraction better all the time. That's what it's about. You know, it's, it's, it's just about being aware that having feelings sometimes that are off center or aren't always you, they can manifest into something bigger and likewise they can come down fairly quickly there's a thing with sometimes putting on weight if you put on weight really fast you can sometimes lose that weight really fast as well and sometimes i think with with um, mental cloudiness or darkness um, sometimes it can come quite quickly and and you can remedy it quite quickly but you need to find what little tools help you and you need to talk like if someone you know or you are struggling with anything that we chatted about with john there um the first thing you should do 100 percent is you should talk to your gp and there's nothing there's no stigma about it like forget about that stigma um it, it, it just talk to your gp first of all in ireland you can call assistance from the likes of the smartens who have a free 24-hour service for anyone in distress uh, i know we have listeners all over the world so it doesn't matter where you are in the world there are services always available to you you don't have to suffer on your own and you're not the the first person to feel like this and i promise you you won't be the last either and um, from all of us here we want to send you big love i hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you liked it maybe you might share it uh, you can subscribe you can leave us a little comment let us know what you think you can follow me on my social media platforms you can get me on instagram at bashmaui or you can get me on twitter at Baz Ashmawi and I wish you all the best for the rest of the week keep your chin up and stay positive and good luck in the cup